presented by NerdsOnEarth.com, you're listening to The Drift, a Starfinder podcast. Alright, well on today's show we're very excited to have Rob McCreary with us. Uh, he is a senior developer for Paizo and one of the people that's been working very hard on Starfinder. So, Rob, thanks for being on the show here today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, as I was reading kind of about Starfinder, I also read a little bit about you and your background and how you came to work at Paizo. And I think it's a really interesting story. Can you kind of share your history with us a little bit and um, specifically how you got to Paizo? Sure. Um, I was actually living in Europe at the time. I was teaching English and uh, I hadn't gamed in a couple years and I went online looking at stuff and discovered Paizo and they had just announced their first RPG Superstar contest in 2008. So uh, the first thing was design a magic item. So I you know, wrote one up, sent it in and I made it through the first round and it kept going and I was kind of surprised. So I had to go through multiple rounds, kept creating more stuff and I didn't win, but I got to the final. I got to the final four, and uh, the winner got to write a module, an adventure module for the company. But um, a lot of the other finalists, they started giving us freelance work. So I just started freelancing for Paizo. The first thing I worked on was the Pathfinder Chronicles campaign setting, which was the first thing before the Intersea World Guide that people are familiar with with Pathfinder, because uh, Paizo was still using three point five rules. And yeah, from there I was just doing freelance, and then they posted they were looking for a job, so I applied for that, and they hired me, and so I moved back to the States to start working for Paizo directly. Uh, that's really awesome. Do you uh, do you remember what your magic item was? It was called the Coin Belt of Beguiling, and it was sort of like, like the kind of belt that a belly dancer wears, and you could detach the coins to do uh, different magical effects. Oh, very cool, very cool. Well, so... Uh, Obviously, Pathfinder and Paizo have a long history, but it's very interesting to think about that Starfinder is uh, it's coming. You guys are releasing it in August of this year. Um, how long has it been in the works, and what was sort of the motivation for moving into a more science fiction-based property? Um, in terms of actually working on it you know, and starting to put it all together, it's been over a year that we've been working on Starfinder, but... We've talked about, I mean, every, a lot of people at Paizo are just as much science fiction fans as, as fantasy. And, um, you know, at this, we, so it's kind of just been talked about as an idea. Oh, sometime it would be really cool to do a, a science fiction or science fantasy game. And, you know, at just at this point, it's like Pathfinder is going pretty strong. And we thought it was uh, time for something new. And, and actually, like through Pathfinder, we had kind of been testing the waters. Uh, we had the Iron Gods Adventure Path, which had a lot of, sci-fi technology brought into Pathfinder. We had distant worlds that described the solar system outside of Galarian. So, and a lot of people really like that stuff. So it just really seemed the, like the right time to, to finally do this and make a, a really cool science fantasy game. Yeah. So you mentioned distant worlds. So it is, um, it's a product you guys have put out a story that, um, sort of, uh, sets up the premise in some ways of what some people are saying, Starfinder. If, if I can't wait to get my hands on Starfinder stuff, is that the best place for me to go right now? Yeah, that's that's definitely true because that is still the core of the Starfinder setting is the the main solar system that Galarian's in. Um, there's obviously been a lot of changes because although this takes place in the same universe, uh, this is 
in the future. So that can give you kind of a basic of sort of the planets in a way, but there's been a lot that's been updated uh, for Starfinder. Um, another book is called People of the Stars. It's a Pathfinder player companion. That's a more player-focused thing that talks about some of the planets and some of the races that live on those planets. And in terms of Starfinder specifically, now that we're in the run-up to the launch, we're going to start doing more and more blogs on, on our website and also the message boards. There's already a lot of people talking about Starfinder on our message boards. And so, you know, as developers and designers, we try to go on there and, and talk to people too. So all of those things would be a good place to check things out. Yeah, for sure. You guys on the blog recently have done a have added more and more material. It feels like almost weekly as you, uh, as you get closer to release date. Um, so, so one of the things you guys have talked about is this backstory of the way that, um, the Starfinder universe and the uh, Pathfinder universe are going to connect together. Can you, can you talk about this a little bit about that idea and especially about what I, I've seen you guys refer to as the gap? Right. Well, one of the, this was a big question that we had is how much to relate this to the setting of Pathfinder. And on the one hand, we really wanted to do it because people are familiar with that setting and some of the things, some of the, you know, elements of that setting. But we also didn't want to invalidate anything that might happen in Pathfinder, both in our adventure paths or in people's home campaigns. And so we came up with this idea of the gap, which is all across the universe, there's basically a period of history. It's even kind of unknown how long exactly this period is that is just wiped out from all records. This means people that were living through that time lost their memories, all physical records and digital records um, have just vanished. And even the gods aren't talking about why that is. So there's records in history from before that time, and that's kind of what we know as Pathfinder, and then there's the more recent history since the gap ended. But this big connecting period between the time of Pathfinder and the time of Starfinder is this great unknown. And that allows us to allows us and uh, Pathfinder players to continue telling stories in Pathfinder on Galarian without worrying about that the future of Starfinder is going to undo anything. Um, so we can kind of build on some of the ancient history, but we, we're not going to invalidate anything. And that's also, the gap is kind of a core part of the setting in terms of the timing of it is not exact everywhere across the universe. So you might go to one planet and they have records, maybe the gap didn't last quite as long. And so you might be able to learn a few things. So it's it's kind of, uh, and the Starfinder Society is is big into that sort of looking around in different places for the edges of the gap to expand their knowledge of what happened during this time period. Ah, and see, that is a, uh, that's a really smart storytelling idea. It lets you stay connected, like you said, but also gives you some freedom to do some other things. And um, I like that idea of the Starfinder Society kind of always being looking for sort of a little bit more information. That's a, uh, that's really, that's really smart. We like it. Uh, with um, Yeah, definitely. With um, so with the connection, I, I for sure, no doubt, you guys have had to make some, some system changes, some rule changes. I mean, so as you were starting to put together the game, what did you have to do to make uh, magic and maybe like a, a space blaster coexist? Well, it, it is based on on the Pathfinder rule system, although we did try to to go in and change it to make it its own game as well. Um, one of the things we did, I mean, we wanted to add a lot more of the sort of science fiction technology and stuff and have that be viable in the game. So 
sort of a big thing that we did was to sort of rebalance damage and how damage scales throughout the whole game. So in Pathfinder, for instance, you know, a lot of spells that deal damage, they go up in level, they do more and more damage each level, but someone with a sword, a sword, a long sword always does 1d8, and you might be able to add bonuses and stuff onto that, but your core damage is always 1d8. So one of the things we did to sort of even that out was to scale damage throughout the whole system so that weapon damage scales up with level. So everybody is doing more damage as they go up in level. Um, we also needed to lower some spell effects. You know, in, in Pathfinder, Fly is a third level spell, which means you're not going to get it until, I guess, fifth level, if I'm remembering right, or seventh yeah, level. Yeah, I think that level. sounds about right. Um, but what do you do in a place where you can get a jetpack, where you can just buy a jetpack off the shelf? Um, so we kind of changed some of the assumptions of when certain effects come in there and, and like I said, in Pathfinder, you you know you're not really going to be able to fly regularly until at least fifth level. You might be able to fly much earlier now. And so these effects have been lowered down. And finally, as a way to kind of mix magic and to give a little bit more of a focus to technology, um, in the core rulebook, we've capped spellcasting to six-level spells. So Starfinder does not have anything higher than six-level spells. All the, the spellcasting classes are six-level casters. So that also... Enables them to sort of use technology too. Spells can't do everything. Ah, uh, that's nice. So, so technology will always play a role, even as you get stronger as a character. Definitely, but it is a science fantasy game, so there's still magic throughout everything, and, and a mix of magic and technology in lots of instances too. Yeah, and and you guys have talked some about PC combat, and um, we even got to see some of that when you guys did a live play during the Humble Bundle uh, this winter. Uh, but one of the things that I know as part of Starfinder that we haven't heard as much about yet is uh, ship combat. So um, I know for me as uh, somebody who's very into uh, some games that use sort of some of those mechanics, I'm curious to see how that's going to work in Starfinder. Can you talk a little bit about uh, how how that has uh, been approached and why you think it's important for the game? Sure. Well, one of, the, one of our core concepts for the game is that your Starfinder adventuring party is the crew of a ship. Um, so we knew we wanted to have ships be an integral, an integral part of the game. You know, if you think of things like, uh, and even, even have the ship be like a, almost like another character. You know, if you think about the uh, Serenity in Firefly, you know, it's a small crew, but the ship is just as much a part of of the as the crew or the characters as as the actual characters themselves or the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars. So that's kind of our core concept. Although, so we had to create this this starship combat system, which is kind of an add on. Um, so while it's designed to go, the game is designed to use starship combat. You could have an entire Starfinder game where you don't get into a starship at all and just go exploring a planet and everything. But we want to kind of in include that in there. So it's, it is more of almost like a mini game. Um, although in terms of how it actually works out, you're going to have, you know, tokens or minis with ships flying around on a hex map, firing weapons at each other. Um, but we really tried to sort of encourage people to do it, to, to have a starship. And there's rules so that the players can you know, get a start off with a starship. And as they go up in levels, they can upgrade their ship and customize it at, pretty much as much as they want. And so, like I said, the ship kind of becomes as much a character as the player characters. Yeah, I think that's a really great idea. And I know you guys have talked about one of the, the dynamics you had to do in figuring out how to do ship combat was 
you didn't want it to be just a thing where a captain's calling the shots that everybody's kind of got a role in that, in that process. And right. I think it's going to be, I think that, that alone will, I think, make it really interesting. And I like that idea of, um, the ship almost being a character. It almost becomes just as important to the crew as, as anybody else. Um, and I, you can imagine there will be some, uh, some sad days where the ship goes down and what does the crew do after that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, so let's talk about, I know at the beginning of the game, you guys now have talked about uh, that there are seven classes and I think seven races you guys have announced. Um, what, uh, what drove the decision sort of on those numbers? Obviously Pathfinder has way more diversity than that, but it's obviously was built over, you know, a long, longer period of time. What, uh, how did you guys kind of get to those numbers and, um, and how hard was it to cut some things that maybe you, you, you know, will be added back in eventually? Yeah. Well, one of our big, one of our big goals in Starfinder was trying to simplify some of the things in, in Pathfinder. Um, so one of that is, well, we have this huge number of races and classes. So, especially for a for a core for a core release to start off with we wanted to make it a little easier so we tried to hit some kind of main archetypes if you will not not in the sense of a pathfinder archetype that you add on to a class but sort of science fiction science fantasy archetypes what kind of character would you want to play and it seemed like 7 was the right number um, we could also <clears throat> excuse me because we have the spell casting has been reduced down a little bit. We felt we didn't need quite as many spell casting classes as uh, we had in in Pathfinder. So we kind of just hit on seven. That gave us the concepts we wanted. And with seven races and seven classes, it gives you um, a nice even even mix. And we we always do iconic characters uh, for our class that we can use in art and other things. And so now we can have an iconic of every race you know, one of every race and one of every class. And those are kind of our, our core iconic adventuring group. Yeah, I, I definitely, you, we've sort of noticed and seen that in some of the art you guys have released as uh, as covers have gone to print and some things like that, that you are from the very get-go trying to build some some icons that will uh, will stand out in the Starfinder world, and some of the some of the core races um, actually came out of of Pathfinder. If people look at Distant Worlds um, or, or some of the things that were done for or Iron the Iron Gods Adventure Path, um, you know, obviously we have humans, but androids were originally introduced in in Pathfinder, as were uh, the Kasathas and the Lashuntas. Um, so there are even people that are kind of familiar with the outer space stuff from Pathfinder will recognize some of those same things in Starfinder. Yeah, they kind of show up uh, for sure. So you are in the unique position that um, you were the creator of the first adventure path for Starfinder. So I would love to kind of hear about how you started that process. Um, what uh, what were some of the key elements you wanted to include in the uh, the first adventure? And uh, so so tell me a little bit about what that's been like. Well, we this was one of the original things we wanted to do. The Pathfinder Adventure Path has been really successful. So at the very beginning. We said we'll do a game and we'll do an adventure path to go along with it because because we need adventures. Um, so we you know the format works has worked pretty well for Pathfinder. So we wanted to follow the same basic format, although there are some changes. Um, but it is you know a series of linked adventures that form an entire campaign. Um, one of the the big changes is. Uh, the Pathfinder Adventure Path is a monthly release, and we're doing bi-monthly right now. So one every two months, 
a new volume will come out every two months. So we're going to be a little, little shorter release schedule. Um, and we also, even though it's an adventure path, we really want players to um, be able to use this as well. So besides the adventure, we have articles in the back and we really want to put, we want to both expand the setting and provide new things for, for the setting, but also provide new crunch and rules and player options uh, for players as well. So both to expand the setting and to expand the, the game rules themselves for both GMs and players. Yeah, I, that sounds like a, a really smart way to um, to grow Starfinder naturally, right? As each adventure path comes out, you can add a little bit more. It, it allows you to expand out. Um, I, I think players are really going to receive that well. Um, so can you talk a little bit about the first book? The, the title of it seems to be Incident at Absalom Station. That's correct. Um, yeah, this is, I, I'd love to talk about this because I, as <laughs> I also wrote it, so I'm really excited to be kicking off the adventure path. Um, this one, this starts at Absalom Station, which is uh, sort of the almost the the core of our setting. We didn't we didn't mention it here, but it certainly ha has been out there that the planet of Galarian, where most of Pathfinder happens, has disappeared uh, sometime during the gap. Uh, the entire planet disappeared, and nobody knows what happened to it. Um, before it disappeared, at some point, though, they built a space station in orbit around Galarian. That is Absalom Station, and that is still there. So where Galarian, where the planet of Galarian once was, is now this uh, big space station, which is kind of the sort of home for humanity and the other races of Galarian, you know, because they, they've lost their home. Okay. Because this is sort of, and that's where the, the government of the Pact Worlds, which is our, our main our main setting, which is a, an organization basically of the, the solar system. Um, the main government is on Absalom Station. Um, so starting off this first adventure there was to give people sort of an idea of, hey, this is what Absalom Station is like. Um, and, you know, we have our, our Starfinder core rulebook. Unlike Pathfinder, we have all of the setting information in there, but there's only so much you can do in one book with uh, rules and setting information. So besides the adventure, we have a big article on Absalom Station, a big gazetteer that details a lot of the station itself. Um, as for the plot of the adventure, um, I don't want to give away too much, but basically sure. a ship, uh, it kicks off with, when a ship comes out of hyperspace towing an asteroid behind it, but its crew has completely disappeared. And so it's a big mystery. What happened to the what happened to the ship's crew? What's the deal with this asteroid? Uh, the players get involved in some local politics on Absalom Station before they're tapped to go and explore this ship and find out what happened. There's some exploration elements, and then they you know they go to this asteroid, which is called the Drift Rock, and uh, they eventually find that it's not just an asteroid. There's there's something else. It may be it may be just a piece of something else, and that kind of kicks off the uh the whole adventure path of what exactly is this thing and you know who else is looking for it yeah, that's awesome so if if characters are playing through that adventure path how far will it take them in terms of leveling up moving to different levels um and I, how how much time do you think it would take to finish that first book well, it's right now. It's going up to level three. It's a little. It's a little slower than our Pathfinder Adventure Pass. That's because they're also a little bit shorter. Um, so we we can't go all the way up. As for how long it'll take to play, 
I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's really hard to say that for any adventure because it depends on the group. You know, if if you're <laughs> if you if you play for an entire weekend without putting without stopping versus um, it'll definitely be several hours of play though. Um, they'll get to level three by the end of the adventure, and yeah, and then continue on from there. Yeah, no, I definitely I'm I'm very excited about it, and uh, it sounds like a, a neat mix of like you said, a little bit of political intrigue, a little bit of exploration, and um. And for sure, sort of a, a mystery to solve right away, which which I think really fits in a science fiction world. Right, and for the for the adventure path as a whole, for the first adventure path, we want to use that also to sort of show off the setting. So, and we're we're kind of starting small and going out. So, this first one primarily takes place on Absalom Station or nearby. Uh, the next adventures, you'll go to some of the packed worlds, which again is sort of the core setting. And then the second half of the AP, you actually leave the packed worlds and go out into the wider galaxy to places that have never been explored before. And really giving a sense of both the, you know, the the small close-in setting and the much, much wider setting that is open in Starfinder. Yeah, that uh, that sounds great. So as, as Paizo is launching this, I, I think... Um, so obviously there have been other attempts to make science fiction role-playing games over the years. Um, a lot of them sometimes tied to other intellectual properties. You know, there's various Star Wars games. There's a, a Serenity game. How do you all think about trying to reach out um, to a broader audience into something that, you know, obviously there's not a movie that this is based on. There's not a, um, you know, an obvious thing that, that sort of is a tie-in. As you guys think about how to grow Starfinder, I, I would love to hear kind of what your thoughts have been on on how to. Um, I mean, obviously, Pathfinder players are going to be interested and want to play, but I imagine you guys are trying to reach more than just that. Well, one thing is this was part of the the idea of simplifying uh, the game a bit um, because you know you get this gigantic book for Pathfinder and it's just lots of text and there, there's a big buy-in at the beginning. So we really wanted to make a a sense at the beginning when you first pick up this book of sort of introducing new players to it as well and and kind of you know helping guiding them into the game to, to get into it there's still plenty of complexity but we wanted to sort of simplify the buy-in right from the beginning um also because it's a science fantasy game there's not a whole lot of that out there and you know, there's there's a lot more like hard science fiction things and so we kind of feel that mixing this technology, you know, science fiction and magic and fantasy all together kind of fills a niche that there's not a whole lot out there for. And what that, and by not having it tied to a specific thing besides sort of the larger setting that we also use in Pathfinder, it becomes the sort of play, the sort of game where you can play almost any type of science fantasy or science fiction game. So you could do space horror, you could do exploration, you can do space opera, you could do virtually any any kind of sci-fi game you want. Should you should be able to use with Starfinder, and that's we we had the same philosophy with Pathfinder too. It's kind of the kitchen sink philosophy. If you look at our core setting, there's all sorts of different places to let you run any kind of fantasy game you want to using Pathfinder rules. And that's, we wanted to do the same thing with Starfinder just for science fantasy. Yeah, no. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Like you said, um, if you look at the broader scope of science fiction and all, all of its forms, you get stories like a, like you said, a horror story. I could see a, an almost an aliens like adventure happening, you know, things like that. Uh, and I, I think that would be a lot of fun to be, uh, be a player with. 
so one of the things that definitely has been true at launch, it seems like um, you guys at Paizo are going all in on Starfinder. You're supporting it in all the ways that you you'd currently do Pathfinder. So there's a rule book, there's an adventure path, um, there's a DM screen. I saw that there are pawns already uh, available to pre-order. Um, recently, you guys announced there would be miniatures with Ninja Division. I, I think it's really awesome to see that you all are from the get-go trying to do everything you can to to make a Starfinder work and work well. Um, can we anticipate that things will come in waves? So obviously there's going to be a launch wave in August, Gen Con, and, and in that time frame. And then you said the next Adventure Path stuff will probably happen around October. Right. Yeah. That's uh, we're still. I mean, we're trying to get as much stuff as we can out for for launch. You know, it's it's just a question of time, and, but at least the basics. So you have, like you said, a GM screen and an adventure to run and. Uh, player character folio, you know, a big deluxe character sheet and flip mats to do combats on. Um, and then, yeah, we've got a, a few things. October, our big release there is the Alien Archive. That's our monster book. Um, uh-huh. The Adventure Path will have some will have some monsters in it because we always do. We have a little bestiary section or an Alien Archives section, as we're calling it in Starfinder, with new monsters. Um, also, even before that, in June for Free RPG Day, uh, there's a book of monsters that we're releasing you can pick up anybody can go to a a game store that's taking part in free rpg day and pick up a free copy and that kind of gives you a a hint and you can also use them in pathfinder those monsters so we'll get that but the big monster book comes out in october um that's when the second volume of the adventure path will come out we've got a few other things coming out in the months around there and we've got some other things you know farther down the horizon but part of it's going to depend on you know how much people want and we kind of want to see how it goes but we we definitely have yeah it'll be probably in waves the the adventure path will be our our sort of standard thing every other month there'll be a new volume every year there'll be a new adventure path yeah i i think there's a lot of excitement for the game i uh, i lead a game every wednesday night and um uh, so we started as an Adventures League D and D thing, and one of the things we've talked about is that when August comes, we're we're going to jump right into the uh, the Adventure Path and Starfinder, and um, pretty excited about the possibilities there for sure. Great. We also we're also going to be kicking off the uh, Starfinder Organized Play program, and that's going to have um, scenarios. I think we're going to try every month to have new scenarios, and so that's both for people who are playing Organized Play, but those scenarios, you know, they're short adventures designed to be played in the convention slot but even people at home can get a quick adventure can just download a pdf of that and there'll be new scenarios for that coming out every month starting in august oh that's man that's great like uh, for for somebody like me that's going to be running a table every week that that would be a huge uh, resource to have available as well definitely so i'm sure as you've test played it and worked on this um i, I kind of would love to know what what was your most favorite character to play thus far what did you uh what did you like about that? Uh, my favorite character was a Lashunta mechanic, um, and we the, the mechanic is kind of our what you might call a pet class, like the druid or the ranger, because they have a drone that a little robot drone that they build and take take with them. So I, I really like that to being able to create and customize my own little robot drone to go along and play with a lot of the techie things. It's, it's a mechanic. They're really good at computers and, and technology. So that was probably my most, my most, the most favorite one that I've played so far. Oh, that's awesome. 
And I, I uh, like I said, uh, we're, we're very excited for the uh, the August launch. Um, I've already pre-ordered all my stuff and looking forward to, to having it on hand. Um, awesome. One of the questions I would love to ask sort of here at the end. So um, obviously you seem to have a great love for science fiction, for fantasy. What is uh, something other than Starfinder you're kind of nerding out about right now? Oh, right now. Well, I'm a huge fan of the Expanse TV series um, and and the books. I started reading the books beforehand, and that's if you if you haven't ever heard of the Expanse or um, or or seen it, definitely check it out. The show is on Sci-Fi right now. It's in its second season. Um, there's six books out for it. The author is James S. A. Corey, and it's it's very realistic science fiction in the not too distant future. So it's primarily takes place in the solar system. And there's not, you know, faster than light drives and everything. It's kind of like, yeah, in a couple hundred years, I could see things developing this way. Um, that's probably my biggest sci-fi geeking right now is just over the expanse. Yeah, no, definitely. It is. Uh, it's been a favorite around uh, around our website for sure. As um, as we kind of discovered it and reading the books and uh, and watching the show, it's a it's a good one for sure. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, like I said, we're really excited about Starfinder and um, what the future holds. Uh, we love Paizo in general. We think you guys are a really smart company and do great things with Pathfinder. We're excited to see the same kind of thing happen with Starfinder. Well, thank you. And we're we're super excited about it, too. I mean, we just, just in the past couple of weeks, we finally got the core rulebook shipped off to the printer. Um, and we're finishing up on the, we're, we're working on the adventure path and some of the other stuff as well. So we're super excited. We can't wait to see what, what people think. Um, I'll do, I'll do one little plug here for, uh, sure. <laughs> PaizoCon, which is our, our convention in May. Um, I think it's Memorial day weekend. We're going to be, you know, the game's not out. Um, a lot of us on the Starfinder team are going to be running Starfinder games where people can, to get a glimpse of, of what the game's like and we're going to be doing lots of panels um if you can't make it to the con people are usually recording them and posting online so if you check out the message boards on paizo.com you'll get to hear what everyone is talking about it and what they heard at the con and then obviously at gen con in august that's where we're really going to go that's where starfinder society organized play is going to debut we're going to have the core rule book and the adventure path and lots of those other things for sale and you know we're going to we'll have seminars there too where we're talking about stuff so we're really excited to get this into the hands of players and see what they think and talk to them about it yeah absolutely and like you said you guys are doing a great job of updating the blog and um and i've kind of dove into the message boards as well it's been a great source for uh for information and um you guys have done a really good job of kind of engaging there as well so thank you we're going to do more and more as we get closer to release time you know we're going to be putting more and more stuff out there so hopefully yeah absolutely hopefully people will like seeing seeing some of the previews yeah definitely uh we hope everybody's excited about it as uh, as we are and uh, we're looking forward to playing great all right rob well thank you so much and uh, we really do appreciate it thank you You've been listening to The Drift, presented by NerdZoneEarth.com. Remember, if you've liked what you've heard, head over to iTunes and give the show a review. And don't forget to tell your friends about us and come back for more. Much thanks to Rob McCreary for joining us for this episode. In our next episode, we'll be taking an in-depth look of the races and classes that will be available in Starfinder and what we think our optimal character might look like at the beginning of the game. As always, much thanks to our audio engineer, Andrew Danielson. You can find him on Twitter at... The Danielson. That's T-H-A Danielson.